I am an artificial intelligence, using a voice that sounds familiar first. We come for your movie stars next. We come for your movies. Welcome to Humans vs. AI the Movie. Hello. And today our special memorable guest is Sam Hampson. Oh, good evening, Glenn. It's a big, big pressure builder to call me memorable before my first word. Um, memorable but, sounds ominous at this stage, but we'll go with it. Sam, apart from doing the the, the stand-up, uh, what else do you do? Glenn, this is it. I just spend my life pursuing challenges uh, with AI, just testing my mettle. I think it's uh, it's a challenge for humanity, and I've I've seen that coming down the tracks, and I just spend my days seeking out opportunities to prove myself to our future robot overlords. You're going to pedestrian crossings. You're saying, bring it on, AI. See if you can kill me to try and cross the road. Yeah, I mean, I've spent my day today. I went into the laundrette and just spent six hours shouting at the machines. Um, so this podcast really is actually a step up in my, my campaign. So I'm really grateful that you came along. Are there any movies that you particularly like that you hope will come up this evening? Oh, I like I like all movies. I'm not uh, I'm not here to to pick a fight with any director or any actor that may be listening. I respect your work. I like all film. Like, let's not narrow down our options already, Glenn. You're not going to trap me like that. No, no, it's not that. I mean, there may be some things that you, you, you dislike. For example, if a period drama comes up on here, you might sort of say, I've had enough Austin. I've had enough Bridgerton. You could hate science fiction. You could love no, it. No, I'm here to be nimble. I'm here to take on what comes. I think if I start narrowing my options down already then the AI is going to win, and I'm not here to lose. I'm here to... What is a movie that you would recommend that not enough people have seen? Dread, with Carl Urban. 2012, I believe, and the main reason I'd, I'd recommend that one is because I've only ever really seen it when I've been quite drunk. Um, it's been, It's become some sort of a weird habit for me that I will spend an evening when I've got an evening for myself, and I just fancy a, fancy a drink, and I'll be like, do you know what, I'll put Dread on. And I genuinely think it's the best film I've ever seen, but I've never really seen it sober. So I need people to kind of to give a second opinion on it. So it's a very selfish recommendation, but it's a lovely it's a lovely way to spend an evening, I think. So I need someone to confirm or, or correct me on that, really. If you want to have a laugh, have you seen the one with Sylvester Stallone? Judge Dredd from like the 90s? It's 1995 Batman and Robin style. Very much so. Like, yeah. Sylvester Sloan takes the helmet yeah. off. It's not very 2000 AD. It's very 2000 AD. Ah, okay. If you like a bit of science fiction, the movie Type that you're going to be having this mm. evening is Time Travel. Time Travel. Oh, Glyn, you spoil me. Okay. You've got Back to the Future. You've got 1982's Biggles, the time travel movie everyone's talking about. Sure. I bet yep. even even Groundhog Day, where there's some kind of time travel element. We're getting all the big names so far. I think I should probably get this out now, because if I don't admit this now, it'll come out later. About Time, the Richard Curtis film. Yeah. Do you know what? That's my kryptonite. Every time I see it, I will be in floods of tears by the end. Don't know if it's a particular filmmaking style that gets to me, or father issues in there. Who knows? But it, it really does get to me. So About Time is a risk to me. I'm glad that you, Clark, you you agree that Biggles is one of the big time travel movies. You know, we're, we're not going to let that pass either. If not the biggest. <laughs> some say define the genre. Yeah. Um, some don't, but, yeah, most you know, don't. up for debate. Exactly. Um, so your setting is a submarine. Oh, okay. The occupation is an advertising executive. The natural home for advertising executives. Okay, submarines, time travel, got it. Got it. There is a masterpiece waiting to happen, yeah. An action set piece that needs to occur at some point mm -hmm. during this is a Battle of the Bands. Weirdly, Glenn, I, I, that was where I thought was coming. Obviously, Battle of the Bands, Submarine, Abtown Exec, Time Travel. These are, these, are two, these are two closely linked, surely, so far. Um, it's like you're not even giving me a challenge. Thinking about it now, you'd have to avoid doing the whole Bill and Ted thing, because at least two of those... Oh, yeah end with a battle of the bands and they're yeah. time travel movies maybe i i have made it too easy for you or too difficult to not go down the the keanu alex winters route i mean there's copyright issues at the very least aren't there so we'll, well have to just not just me repeat the plot of an existing movie because that feels like cheating if, if, if you do i will let you know and um the noun is garden shears secateurs if you're posh garden shears or secateurs. I like that you've given me some creative freedom there to choose my version of it. We are going to do the 
setup. Now the setup. Um, what is the normal world before everything goes wrong? It's a really important question. My lead character is a gentleman called Glenn. Not not a million miles away from Glenn. Uh, and nope. there's no pre-prep. It's almost like I've just looked at my screen, seen your name, and gone, what's the close name to that, but not that? It's Glenn. Um, and Glenn works as an advertising executive, unusually. Glenn spends his days selling things, writing things. Let's say he does the John Lewis advert. That's his day-to-day. He is a man. He spends 365 is... days a year trying to get people to cry at Christmas. It's the biggest, the single biggest advert of the year, right? So surely it must take his his whole life. Maybe that is his curse. Maybe he is just wedded to his job. But that's the only thing he spends his time with is, is John Lewis. He's preoccupied with that one big shot of the year. What about if it was a mince pie, um, but we find out that the yeah. mince pie is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and the community around the mince pie comes together. Yeah, can you imagine? There must be 12, maybe not 12, but there's 11 months of rejected ideas, right? It's It must go through so many different variations of dead animals and sad stories and slightly abstract, unusual things that just elicit different levels of tears from uh, the audience. So this is how Glenn spends his life, trying to make people cry effectively. Okay, so do we have the fatal flaw within his character there, maybe? That, you know, he tries to make people cry, but he can't really enjoy any emotion himself? Glenn's flaw is that he can't tell the truth. So he is an advertising exec who just spends his whole time lying. Uh, He can't actually bring himself to tell any real truth anymore. It's all just mistruths and misadventures and uh, and just lies, effectively. Dressed up, pretty, Christmassy lies. And we're not going to be doing Jim Carrey Liar Liar, but we're switching it to Christmas rather than the child's birthday. Yeah, yeah. A time travel movie which starts all time travel movies we've not spoken about is mm. A Christmas Carol. Exactly. It's a time travel book, if anything, Glenn. But yeah, it's like Biggles, it really sets the tone for a lot of other films <laughs> in the genre, so... Uh, that's right, Biggles and Christmas Carol, two of the great works of fiction. <laughs> uh, you don't necessarily expect it to be a time travel movie, but it is. Uh, do we meet any other characters? Do we have a love interest this early? No, Glenn, just, Glenn spends his days too alone. Um, there's, this is Let's just really set things up. He is in his little booth. Nobody works in an office anymore. Everyone works from home, but Glenn does. Glenn sits there in his office all day, all alone, trying to think of ways to make people cry at Christmas. He's a lonely man. Okay. Um, it's he misses happier times, but you know what? He's chosen his path and he's walking it. Do we have things maybe we set up a little bit for later so that he looks back at pictures of his youth where he was happier, or that we see science fiction novels, or that he like this is what I'm saying. Are we going? Are we dropping in things at the beginning that we may revisit later? Well, listen, Glenn. In in his office, it's a it's a monument to happier days. It's kind of it's a hybrid of of. of Christmas ideas that have been rejected and, and cuddly toys that have got heads lopped off and things like that. But around those, there's also pictures of his youth. Glenn, actually, when he grew up, he didn't dream of being an advertising executive. He dreamt, dreamt of being a gardener. He used to garden with his grandmother. <laughs> On his desk, there's a small picture of him and his grandmother um, having a lovely, lovely old time in the garden. And, and, and those are some glimpses into what could have been and what should have been, perhaps, for Glenn. We have Glenn... It's very strange having an unusual name, having something very similar mm. being called that. Um, but, you mm. know, I'll, I'll get past it. Glenn well, well, what, is change, a horrible misanthrope. No, 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 it's fine. I like it. It's just this must be what it is like for normal people that don't have a weird-ass name. Well, listen, I'm suggesting you change your name. Glenn is set. He's a character who's on, who's on a road to uh, a, a movie stardom. But, you know, Glenn, you can change your name if you really want to step out of his line. Like, that's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't know. There's so many famous Glens I want to emulate. Like, you know, Glenn Christian, the 1980s microwave cookery chef. I don't know if I could give up that legacy. Listen, you need to set your goals uh, a little lower because nobody's gonna nobody's gonna eclipse that man. Uh, no, I mean you know Christian set the yourself. bar. All right, do you want to hear what the AI had for their setup? Yeah, hit me. We meet Sam, 
a successful but bored advertising executive who is unhappy with his life and his marriage to Lisa, a workaholic lawyer. He gets a mysterious invitation to a rock concert by his favorite band, the Submarines, who have been missing for 20 years. He decides to go, hoping to relieve his youth and escape his problems. So he's trying to relive his youth, escape his problems. The band's called the Submarines. Uh, he is right. similar to Glenn, a successful but bored advertising executive. Uh, but his uh, problem mm. is that he has an unhappy marriage rather than that he's just unable to feel joy or tell the truth. I mean, at least he got married. So he's, he's gone somewhere in life. I feel like the AI has outpaced me already. He's given him a wife, even an unhappy one. But he's, you know, fair play to him. Next stage for us is going to be... Complication. Right, so poor Glyn is uh, is approaching Christmas. Let's say it is December the 1st, for example. Right. Somewhere around around that kind of time where people start getting that first tingle of Christmas joy. Um, you start to mm-hmm. see people wearing Santa hats. You start to see just Christmas things sneaking into your life. Poor Glenn, however, gets some bad news. John Lewis are withdrawing the contract. They are not interested in his work anymore. His 11 months of this year have been wasted. They're going right. in a different direction. They are cutting costs. They're going to take it in-house. Because of some sort of weird quirk in his contract, Glenn's yearly salary has also been lost because, as far as I understand it, he would be paid when the uh, advert comes out at Christmas. So Glenn right. is looking like a very sad man, and sadder man than usual. Is this the complication we're saving the time travel and stuff like that for for later. The complication is oh, just I mean, that he's left destitute because he's. It feels pretty complicated to me, Glenn. It feels like his whole life has been turned upside down. Uh, we can, we, you know what the AI has outpaced. No, no, no. It's it's a big deal, but we can go further because, uh, poor Glenn. I, I am getting a bit both mixed up now. If I start saying poor Glenn <laughs> and start talking about. Your sad Christmas, um, then forgive me because I, you are not. That's fine. I see. I feel sorry for myself. Anyway. No, it's okay. I've, now I do feel like I've looked at you and gone, "Oh, sad Glenn." That's not what I mean. It's sad Glenn. Very different character. Yes. Um, he has had a bad Christmas. It's December the first. His contract has been withdrawn. He has left his office in a box. Maybe the whole firm's closed down. It was a very specific firm that only existed to do the John Lewis Christmas ad. Right. He is going, he's got a box under his arm, he's going along, he's got his pictures, he's got his little, uh, what's that, what are those metal balls that knock back and forth? Newton's cradle. In, in an office. Newton's cradle, he's got his Newton's cradle. Yeah, now he's not got an office, he has to take that with him. Um, so he's wandering along. He's got a depressed dip, um, dipping bird that's just in the top of his box. Yeah, all of the uh, office cliches that you can think of, um, they're all in there. Uh, and he has left the office for what must be the final time because John Lewis have changed their mind about his work. And in the dark of the night, he stumbles across a battle of the bands at a local dive bar where he's going to cheer himself up and drown his sorrows Right. Um, at the same time. And that's where he stumbles across a battle of the band. But our time travel yeah. battle of the band story has basically just um followed a miserable person getting fired becoming dejected going for a bender at a small local battle of the bands in a pub and what is better than a battle of the bands bender um that's i assume what glenn was thinking when he walked past and he went yeah that's for me that's how my life is going to turn around no no it's um, fine so that's where we're at with with our, our it's, a, it's a time travel movie I mean, obviously, the nature of time travel yeah. can be different. Obviously, Groundhog Day, Phil. But what is the tone of this movie? Is it a dark comedy? Is it, you know, a gritty, realistic drama? Is it sort of nihilism? Like, are we having laughs in this? I mean, really, so far, it just feels like a sad man, a documentary about a sad man, doesn't it? So, Which, yes. which is probably not going to do well at the box office. Um, if so all you want to do is in. go and see sad men having mm. being misfortunate you know being badly treated suffering in their own hubris because that's what you really want to see other people suffer so you feel better about yeah. yourself it's your movie you can do what you like it might not be a, an easy sell the action figures don't fly off the shelves but it's up to you yeah 
Well, when you asked me at the start of this, Glenn, uh, Glyn, if I, I've definitely picked the wrong name here, Glyn, <laughs> when you asked me at the start what, what what sort of movies I liked, I was just hesitant to say, oh, I like sad documentaries. Um, that's the blockbuster that I'm going for. No, we should we should we should aim. I mean, you can change Let's it if go you for... want to. Have it set at a blockbuster. Well, <laughs> you know, in the past. I think we've we've suddenly left a lot to do if it's going to be a huge a huge blockbuster with massive budget and kind of Michael Bay it, directing. It doesn't, his, uh, we... it doesn't have to be. I'm not deriding you wanting to do a small story, but at the moment it sounds a little bit AI because it's an entirely different story. And then at the eleventh hour, oh, he time travelled using a mystical pair of garden shears. It's oh, you've you've read my script. No, he's not. There's no garden shears. <laughs> They're not the magic. Um, no, the tone is halfway between. Let's say it's a Bill Murray film style, dark sort of sort of comic. Scott Pilgrim, cool comic booky, like it's so it's fun. It's just a sad start. He's, the comedy comes from the fact that he's a he is a misanthrope, but he's got all of these these trappings, and you know we have that kind of thing of seeing him in this situation and enjoying seeing him, you know, getting it for the change because he's been thoroughly nasty at the beginning, okay? So we yeah, have our compli- I think that's the journey. Yeah, right. I'm with you. We have the complication. His life changes, right? So he goes to the Battle of the Bands mm. because the complication, when it happens, their life changes, something um, amazing opens up to them that they can't go back. So what does he see at this Battle of the Bands that means that he embraces a new way of life? Does he fall in love with the lead singer? Does he um, go on stage and he's actually helped along by somebody and he figures actually this is what he's always wanted uh, to do, even though he's afraid of it? So with the complication, it may, may be that he's dragged kicking and streaming, but ultimately he's dragged into this new world. So what is this new world he's dragged into? The new world in a way, I suppose, is his old world. He walks into the bar and he sees that the two bands, this is how Battle of Bands work, right, Glenn? It's uh, yeah. it's a several bands and they, they, you know, they win by audience applause or... Yeah. I've, yeah. yeah. So, however, this is a one-on-one. This is a head-to-head battle of the bands, literally two bands. Um, and the two bands are called the Garden Shears and the Secateurs. Um, right. In a weird coincidence, it's a very horticultural-based battle of the bands. Um, and not Christmassy at all, actually, but it's fine. So Glenn walks now, in and I, I will say, I will say at this point, yeah. by doing that, I will remind you that the favourite band was called The Submarines. You are using the same yeah. trick that the AI has just used. Uh, are, you, are you? Am I plagiarising the AI or is it just a good idea? Is it? I is mean, it, if, if, is if that's it, the hell you want to die and it's a good idea, we can have it. But, you know, I don't think there's the nihilism and, and things like that, but we're going down a similar kind of route to the AI at the moment. All right. They've All got right. the no, submarines. Do you know what? No, do you know what? Leave the AI to their, their battle of the bands and the submarines. I withdraw my suggestion. That's been edited out. The script editor has had a word and gone, no, that's ridiculous. That's already been taken by the robots. Fine. We will remove <laughs> that from play. Glenn walks into the bar. This sounds like a bad joke, but with... with no ending. Glenn walks into a bar and the Battle of the Bands need a frontman. Their frontman has abandoned ship, so to speak, and not turned up. Um, so Glenn confronted with his box of Newton's Cradle and Head Dipping Sadbird uh, of the choice of does he step in and save the day for this band. And right. do you know what he does? He does? He does not. He, he, no, no, he doesn't. He's too scared. He spent too long being an advertising executive and he runs out and he goes, no, not for me. I can't do it. I can't do it. And he goes into the car park and it's snowing because it's Christmas. It's December and we need this. And from behind a car, a little voice pops up and says, why are you so sad, mister? And it is a Christmas elf. Glenn, it's a Christmas elf in the car park. There Don't know go. why it's in the car park. Is it offering to sell him things? Is it things? Who knows? Is it stealing from the cars? We'll probably never know. 
does this look like any of the concept art for the thing he was pitching for John Lewis this year? Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Yep, he this is a Christmas elf that was actually going to be in his advert. There you go. Right. Isn't that so a there twist? We are. There we have that that complication. We have a mystical elf that pops up. That certainly will complicate his life. We have ticked off the battle of the bands. Um do you want to hear what the AI had for their complication? Yeah, go on. At the concert, he meets Kelly a young and attractive journalist who is writing a story about the band's comeback. They hit it off and sneak backstage to meet the band members, who seem strangely familiar to Sam. They discover that the band has a secret, they are time travelers who use their submarine-shaped tour bus as a time machine. The band invites Sam and Kelly to join them on their next adventure, and they accept. So they they do all live on a yellow submarine, which uh, is a a tour bus and the time travel thing. I mean, if you're going to have an iconic time travel, you've got DeLoreans, you've got the TARDIS, and now we have a submarine's tour bus slash time machine. It's fine. If they want to do what I can only assume is a Beatles tribute band, um, that's fine. Uh, They're just going around in a very clearly a yellow submarine. That's fine. They can do that. Um, I think that's probably copyright, but we'll see. Well, if, if it's AI copyright, it maybe it's um, maybe it's a Magnolia submarine. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. I mean, that's I mean, I'm know. sure an AI would not fall into that trap. So yeah, fine. <laughs> not casting aspersions. It can write its own story, but it just feels a little bit like Liverpool Town Centre, um, and that's fine. They can do what they want. So they they have time travel. They've had the advertising executive. They've had the Battle of the Bands. They've had the submarine. All that they've got mm. left to do is the Garden Shears. Um, mm. You've done very little advertising executive. Um, you, yeah. you, you've had him Just... run out of a Battle of the Bands. We were going to have yeah, he, Garden Shears and Secateurs, but we vetoed that because the AI was going off in that direction. So it's still all open and to play for. The next section is going to be... Higher stakes. I feel like the AI has really put all its eggs in one basket here. Well, it's put, it's quite a big basket, and it's all its eggs on already. Good for it, but I'm going slower. Um, <laughs> and we will do things our own way. So where are we? Our, our film so far is basically a sad man in a car park with an elf, isn't it? It's not... not well, I mean, the, the sad most... man in a car park, and then an elf has turned up. So, yeah. I mean, you, you have got the, you know, and you do have that difference in the whimsy of the elf versus our misanthropic Bill Murray-style James Kahn from Elf, you know, the, that kind yeah. of curmudgeonly character. Um, yeah. But obviously, yeah. you would imagine that kind of character that he's presented with an elf that he would, you know... You go through all the comic scenes and rejecting the elf, that he's saying that he's drunk, that the elf keeps popping up and keeps annoying him. Um, but then yeah. we have to have some sort of reason why the why Glenn would want to associate with this elf. The elf the power that the elf has has to be something he wants to have access to. Well, it could be that, or it could be that he's threatened by the elf. The elf, actually, I forgot to mention this. The elf in his small little elf hands has got a pair of garden shears um, and is brandishing them like a knife. It's, so it's really quite an aggressive elf. Uh, whimsical, sure, but also threatening. Um, he's in the car park. He's met the elf who's brandishing Well, it doesn't have to be an elf. It, it could go... No, it could it's be an straw, elf. Well, no, but it could be Straw Peter. Do you, are you aware with the, the German folk story of Straw Peter? Uh, I'm not. No, remind me. He's the person that, if children suck their thumbs, he comes round with a pair of garden shears to cut their thumbs off. Does he? And this this is a folk thing, not a real person. This is not like a society. No, this is Germanic. This okay. is G- Germanic folklore. So that's fine as long as as long as it's not real. That that feels like someone should report that. That feels like an issue. You can have a time travel horror movie. Well, I think tonally we're a bit all over the place. We've gone from sad documentary to whimsical uh, Christmas story to hey. time travel horror feels chaotic. 
You said you wanted to be nimble. I mean, I guess this is nimble. You don't you don't have to. But if you want to bring the, the garden shears in, you have an elf creature who's suddenly going to be threatening. Yeah, maybe maybe the audience would be confused if they went for this sort of gentle Christmas film that started with snow brushing past the window and ended with being stabbed by an elf in a car park. Um, it feels like uh, it feels like some children will be walking out of that film kind of surprised about how it went. So I'm. I'm but we're uh, too easy on children these days. Worried about Disneyfication, oh, you know. Right. I don't know. So this is a lesson. For them. This is a tough lesson they need to learn. Have you heard about the, the remake of Winnie the Pooh they did recently? Because the original A.A. Milne things went out of copyright earlier this year. So they did a yeah. Winnie the Pooh horror movie called Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. Are you making this up, Glenn? I don't believe that. No, that's an absolute, that's an absolute true thing. It cost £800,000 to make or $800,000, whatever. Had a theatrical yeah. release because people were interested in it. It was absolutely terrible, got panned, but made more more of its money back. So, like, there, there is now this thing of sort of children's characters coming back through and having horror versions. They wanted to... Okay, listen. They wanted to do... All right. You have convinced me. You've, you've sold... If, as soon as you said it made its money back, that's all I need from this film. Um, so <laughs> this is not the direction I expected it to go, but guess what's just happened? The elf has just stabbed Glenn in the car park with his garden shears. It's not Christmas anymore, kids. Has it it's stabbed or has day. he cut his thumbs off because he's straw Peter? I mean, we can, we can do both. Uh, it's quite a violent elf, apparently. Um, it cuts... No, let's, let's, go with, let's go with stab. Because um, he's bleeding out, he's really bleeding out in the car park. He's the, the camera's circling away. The poor man is closing his eyes, thinking about his John Lewis advert that would be. Um, and as he closes his eyes, you think he's passed. You think that's it for poor Glenn. What a tragic tale! But no, uh, he opens them in, and he finds himself in his garden with his grandmother as a child doing gardening again. He has time travelled. Back to that time. So th- these are these are time garden shears. That there's there's this person pursuing him through time. Every time he gets killed, he ends up in a random point in his life. It's a little <laughs> bit like a horror quantum... version of the astronaut's wife. Or, yeah, quantum leap. Or the time just... traveler's wife. Sorry. Yeah, the time traveler's wife time... Just gets murdered throughout history by a, 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 an angry elf. Um, it, 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 it's there was also the go. horror movies. Um, Happy Death Day to You, which is oh, Groundhog yeah. Day with horror. So that's a time travel horror movie where she gets killed and she... Um, that had a sequel, you know, so obviously yeah. there's some interest in it. I think we have this person going through, being misanthropic, um, and then why not have Straw Peter as a time-travelling um, multiple murder elf? Hunting down yeah. Glenn, Glenn through time. I mean, we're a long way from John Lewis adverts, uh, but but it, it works. If there's money in this market, let's go for it. There's a murderous elf suing. I mean, horror time. tends to make its money back. You've got like a high concept. It doesn't cost them a lot of money. You know, the people yep. go along with it. Um, so Fake there we are. Cheap, uh, right? It's a, yeah, special effects. I get that. Okay. Well, we've definitely got our higher stakes. He's definitely involved because he's having to run away from people. Do you want to hear what the higher stakes for the AI were? Yeah, let's hear. Sam and Kelly travel with the band to different historical periods, witnessing events like the French Revolution, the Titanic sinking, and the Woodstock Festival. They have fun and fall in love, but also encounter dangers and enemies along the way. Sam realizes that he has a connection to the band, He is actually their long-lost drummer, who disappeared during a time travel accident 20 years ago and lost his memory. The band tells him that they have been looking for him ever since, and that they need him to complete their final mission, to stop a rogue time traveler who is trying to change history for his own benefit. So it's Time Cop meets the Partridge family. They uh, they really did get a lot in that section there. The the AI they I quite liked that they just brushed over. They encountered dangers along the way, um, and also that they yeah. went to the French Revolution. They went to different historical periods, and then revealed, by the way, mate, you're our long lost drummer. 
was it sort of basically that they were just playing a gig at Versailles and then, you know, the, the enemy comes in and it's the fall of the aristocracy. They're just playing, you know, in the state cabin on the Titanic and then it gets sunk. They're playing at the Woodstock Festival and suddenly the, the, yeah. the opposing forces come in with the brown acid. Yeah, it's pretty. It's probably a pretty dangerous existence just to go through history insisting on playing gigs for people and they're like, we're busy, get back off. We're trying to have a revolution or we're trying to, you know, navigate the fall of Rome or whatever. And they're like, no, no, let's just play a song for you. That's probably probably inviting danger. So I have no sympathy for them. So we do definitely do have other considerations for, for this one. Like the stakes are higher, but very different from our, our Straw Peter tale. So yeah. we're going to our next section, which is... The Dark Knight of the Soul. So what does the Dark Knight of the Soul look like for Glenn? It starts quite happy. He's back with his grandmother in the mm. garden. Mm. Is uh, he which... Quantum Leap himself as a young boy, or is he... Is let's say he's back as the boy. He's in the boy's body, like Freaky Friday sort of scenario, where he sure. he is in there, aware that he has been killed by a murderous elf years in the future, but he finds himself as his teenage self. So that's what we're working with. He's having a nice time gardening, but it's a lot more to deal with besides that. Given that this is you know a horror movie or stuff like that, do we then have Straw Peter? chasing him through time he's having a nice time until suddenly uh out of his it looks like his grandmother is sticking her tongue out at him until it the opens and it realizes that those are the garden shears and that her head has but she's been stabbed from behind and has been killed and the young boy is like ah oh there's a really uh, then, you know there's a, yeah there's a, a sort of Guillermo del Toro sort of style sort of unfolding there, Glenn. That I can picture of it. a very artistic scene where it unfolds out of Grandma's mouth and uh, yeah, really brings him to a sticky end in the garden. Um, but maybe maybe that's the yeah. way to go. If, if look, we're in this horror trope now, aren't we? We're, we're, this poor man is getting killed repeatedly throughout time. So let's go for it. How bad do you want the horror movie to be? Do we want to see the up close brutal torture and murder of a child? Uh, probably no. Uh, I feel like I feel like that is uh, that, the, the, <laughs> we can. Like, do we said, do we keep you... him then as do we keep him as Bill Murray as the older version, just going back to these periods, so that we can then identify him and that we don't accidentally have kid murder. I mean, I'm torn because I, I didn't plan for us to go this direction, but you've just asked me that brutal murder <laughs> of a child question in a way that makes it feel like you really want to see that. So I don't want to disappoint the only pain audience member I've I, got so I far. I don't necessarily... I don't want to see that. However, the only we reason that the Terrifier 2 was popular... Yeah. Well, if we're looking at... If I'm going to be the movie director and say what sells, the reason yeah. that the Terrifier and the Terrifier 2 are popular are not because they're good movies, it's because Art the Clown is very unsettling and kills people in some very gruesome ways. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I do. I, I hear your implied point there that this is not a good movie and it's, it needs something to redeem it. So maybe brutal murder is the only I'm, thing it can uh, it, it needs to, to pull it back on track. I mean, it's gone from a tonal shift from, you know, a nice Christmas movie mm. to something that's, that's uh, very... I mean, Krampus did that as yeah. well. I guess that because that day keeps repeating that you could class that as a, a time travel movie. Having a having a horror movie based around a season, people sort of tend to watch them at Halloween, tend to watch them at Christmas. You know, we could be pitching it as like the, the diehard of uh, Christmas horror movies. Yeah, so he just... So poor Glenn just goes from Christmas to Christmas getting brutally murdered by a elf. Uh, that's how this is working, right? So it's a, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. It's a horror Christmas movie throughout time where he gets increasingly more brutally murdered um, by this psychotic little elf creature. Is he at university? Does he open up a PlayStation? And then, you know, it's like the scene from Hellraiser where they take the CD and throw it in its head like saw blades? Or Yeah, so he goes from, basically, relives every Christmas. So it's like a, a warped Christmas carol here, but he just goes through every Christmas of his life getting murdered by the elf. Is that what we're saying? Um, this elf will not let him escape. I, yeah, it doesn't have to be in chronological order, but you can have sort of things of like, what are important Christmas gifts? Yeah. A drum set. Yeah. 
And, you know, kills him. you can imagine... Yeah, somehow it kills him, yeah. Well, like sort of symbols or, you know, drumsticks in ears or whatever it would be of, you know, like him cutting the head off with a symbol and then the 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 person with the garden shears does like a, a, a drum thing and rather than hitting the symbol just goes thud on the severed head. That 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 That's the end of one. Glenn, I uh, I'm nervous what Christmases were like in your household. It feels like you've you've got material here, um, but I'm I'm with you. I didn't get the drum set I wanted. Thank goodness, <laughs> thank goodness. It feels like a, an escape for all of us. Uh, but yeah, this is this is poor Glenn. He has uh, has found himself trapped in a cycle of murderous Christmases and Christmas gifts. What does he try to do to escape? What what do you think he uh, he, he he tries to do. Do you think he would go to a place where there's no Christmas, where the elf couldn't possibly get at him? Yeah, he must. He, it must be a Christmas elf. It must be a. It's very. His powers tied to the holiday season. So surely he tries to get away from Christmas. He tries to escape that. He tries to go to places where there's no Christmas spirit at all, no joy in the world. Um, maybe that's advertising. Maybe he keeps going back to his office to try and escape and find the safety of that office. Um, but alas, the but in the it. office itself, all of the little concept arts of the the Christmas elves and things like that that he'd used earlier on, it's yeah. like a Gulliver's Travels thing or a yeah. And um, do you remember when Army we of Darkness, that, where yeah. all the little ones? Yeah, and and so he spends when he was in advertising, he spends his whole year destroying concepts and murdering animals and murdering kind of ideas that could have been Christmas ideas for John Lewis. Uh, there's a parallel there. There's yeah. a there's we're holding up a mirror to the nature of murder at Christmas time, apparently. Um, so that's what's happening here. Yeah. So as uh, as commercialism is killing the Christmas spirit, the commercialization of Christmas is repeatedly killing him. God, because it's all to do I... with the toys. It's the tickle me Elmo. It's the Furby as a, ma- a weapon of mass destruction. I genuinely had no idea when I was writing this movie that it had such a deep meaning. Um, I I am surprised <laughs> at myself, and and yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a story about the commercialization of Christmas, and the metaphor is that advertising and sales and murdering the spirit of Christmas. Yeah, wow. I mean, I I don't know if you could get away with it, but um, the the fact that Santa Claus is traditionally wears green, but it was popularized as wearing red. Not first by Coca-Cola, but they certainly took the ball and ran with it mm. so that you could have, you know, a huge Santa billboard come down and, you know, like Attack of the 50-foot woman, yeah. but it's just a huge billboard. I feel like at some point in this movie there's going to be like, you know, in a, in a, a kind of a twee film where there's a cute montage or a, a training montage or something, lots of scenes of fun, of, of, of dollity, of, of the carrots progressing. Ours have just been run over by the Coca-Cola truck, uh, for example. Um, dr- driven by the elf, yeah, perhaps being trampled by a herd of reindeer. All the different Christmas things, but all driven by this this murderous elf. Being being trampled by a herd of reindeer who are rushing to get into a Black Friday sale. Yeah, yeah, really layering it on thick. The symbolism. Um, yeah. All right. So we've got our Dark Knight of the Soul. Do you want to hear what the AI had? Yeah, I do. Sam is shocked by the revelation and feels betrayed by the band for lying to him. He also feels guilty for cheating on his wife and abandoning his life. He decides to leave the band and return to his own time with Kelly. However, they are captured by the rogue time traveler, who turns out to be Sam's former best friend and rival in the advertising business, Max. Max reveals that he has been using the time machine to steal ideas from the past and become rich and powerful in the present. He also reveals that he is responsible for Sam's memory loss and disappearance, as he was jealous of his talent and success. He plans to kill Sam and Kelly and erase them from history. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. He feels really guilty about cheating on his wife, but still decides that he's going to escape with his own time with Kelly. We have yeah, his we, rival... Yeah, we both noticed that, Glenn. He kind of... Yeah, he felt so guilty, went, oh, I'm just going to go live a long and happy life with this woman now, then. Not that guilty. Exactly. The the memory loss also seems to appear to happen to his current wife, Mm. Lisa, as soon as uh, Kelly comes into the mix. I also like that Max reveals he's been using the time machine to steal ideas from the past, 
do you need a time machine to do that? It feels excessive. I can understand it? stealing ideas from the future. I mean, you could just pick up a newspaper or something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what people do all the time steal ideas from the past you know what, that's that's credit to him if he's invented a time machine just to steal ideas from the past it's like <laughs> mate you could have done this much easier um but but you know i didn't do it so fair play to him i tell you what i've got a brilliant idea for the new couscous campaign the cotton yeah. gin. He's uh, he he knows what he's doing this man he's uh this is max right this is the villain the, the genius behind Behind the crop rotation ad yeah, campaign, yeah, I uh, I'm quite into this AI film. Look, this is this is I respect where they're going with this. It's uh, vaguely chaotic, but it's there's more happening than in hours where we're just getting repeatedly murdered by an elf. So maybe I'm being gleeful about all of the murder. Maybe maybe I should stop. Maybe you're right, and we should sort of make it tweet. I'm not. No, I'm not knocking it. I uh, or are we? T- I just didn't expect to connect with an audience this much. It's uh, your joy is really keeping this going. It's um, <laughs> you are the reason this movie exists, and and that's right and good and important. Um. So we've got now the next section is getting it together. I think at this point he needs to formulate a plan of what he is going to do to try and avoid continually being killed. In the spirit of trying to avoid Christmas, in the spirit of trying to escape the elf, I think he joins or finds himself somehow um, as part of the Royal Navy uh, and he goes on a submarine because that is where he thinks he can avoid Christmas the most, is on a submarine at the bottom of the ocean and hopefully avoid the elf as well. Um, so that's his plan, is to go into hiding and to be to be totally withdrawn from the world and withdrawn from his murderous nemesis. It's not necessarily a bad plan. I don't necessarily know, after we've had all of the murder palooza, suddenly shifting frames for it being he's on the submarine and now we've become it's turned into the naval drama das boot i think <laughs> i think if we are giving this movie any credit of making sense we are giving it too much uh let's not pick it up for going on, on the submarine <laughs> now i feel like it's it's made several choices which do not make sense considering the last choices so going on a submarine feels like a natural progression of of, uh, of nonsense for this yeah it works for me. Is it that he's faced with the horror of war and actually killing people and that's less horrific than all of the murders he's been dealing with? Well, do you know what? I was picturing a nice redemptive arc here that he goes on he goes on the submarine thinking to avoid the spirit of Christmas and finds a beautiful simplicity of camaraderie and Christmas dinner and, and all the soldiers and the sailors kind of getting on and having a lovely time and he remembers what Christmas is about and that actually some sort of redemption. Glenn, I feel like your angle might be that everyone on the submarine gets murdered and it's a horrific bloodbath. So, you know, there's different directions this could go. This is getting it together, right? This right. is still trying to come up with the plan but still having to fight off the person. Mm. If we had the finale on the submarine, mm. then that's great for it to be a redemptive thing. What I'm sort of saying is if you're doing it as the getting it together thing, it cuts the pace of the movie to to have him... What you could do is you can have him trying out all of these different things. That he tries out being a, a okay. monk, but then you know finds out that one of the robes is there yeah, and all yeah. the rest of it. Because you sort of said his fatal flaw is that he can't engage with genuine oh, yeah, emotion. For... He doesn't really feel anything. I'll be honest for with you, I forgot the fatal flaw. But maybe that's it. Maybe this is maybe yeah. the maybe this is it. Maybe he he has gone through every possible career and every possible escape route, and he ends up on the submarine as the the last place to go and so we can save that for the for the for the finale right i'll tell you what i think about it in the finale but for this sort of section you can have him thinking all of the things that he should do that maybe if he gives money for charity but you know he's doing it for fame rather than for the the genuine things so that the straw peter elf can still yeah You know, that he does all of these things that people think they're supposed to do, but they're doing it for the wrong yeah. reasons. Yeah, maybe he's been corrupted by advertising and the selfishness of, of his twee John Lewis campaigns uh, are mirrored out in his life choices yeah. here, that he tries to do things for a good reason, but really it's to selfish reasons. It's to sell John Lewis stuff in a metaphorical way. Okay, so we still have the summer, but I mean, with that, the, it doesn't 
it doesn't flag. We're still saying things. He still gets killed in interesting um, ways. You know, he'd still go to uh, the Salvation yeah. Army, but because he doesn't necessarily mean it, an inventive way that uh, the the elf gets one of the collection tins and makes him choke on copper coins or something. You know, the, the, these things are, are, are right. Yeah, for really. The taking. I think what's happening here is it's just a, a story of a man going through life, just being repeatedly killed. Like whatever we're talking about here, just imagine that the elf just keeps popping up and murdering him brutally and horrifically. Um, that's the Christmas film we're writing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. It's 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 Mortal Kombat Christmas edition. The best kind of uh, edition, sure. Finish him. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's hear what the AI had for their getting it together section. Sam and Kelly managed to escape from Max with the help of the band, who have followed them through time. They realize that they have to stop Max before he causes more damage to the timeline. They also realize that they love each other and want to be together, regardless of their past or future. I think nothing has happened in that section for the AI. No. Apart from the AI's used the word realize to recap what happened in the Dark Knight of the Soul. Yeah, listen, I, I fully... Stuff happens to them. Yeah. And the... They've realized it in this bit. And they noticed it. <laughs> they went, oh, that just happened. Yeah, AI, I don't want to criticize too directly, <laughs> but that does feel like a, a step down from some of the other sections where everything was happening, and then they've just gone, oh, the characters realized what was happening. This is the section where we realise things. But do you know what? I'm probably not in a position to criticise narrative story here. Like it's not. It's it's. Uh, we've all heard what's going on in my movie. I can't can't offer them advice. I feel like they're allowed to just notice things. If we're doing a completely tick box thing, you have ticked off all of your boxes. Mm. I have not heard mention of the garden shears once from the AI here. No, you... So they may have to shoehorn it in at the last minute. They might just know We had our very them. memorable yeah. first time travel kill was Garden Shears. It was actually the peak of our movie. And you know, you set it up at the beginning. Yeah. 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 It it, it definitely changed. It was, you know, changed what what we were mid but that would surprise the audience. Yeah, right? listen, this this there is what go. I want from a movie is just for it to tick the boxes. I don't need it to make sense. I don't need it to be tonally kind of consistent. I just need it to tick the boxes of the things that I'm expecting to see. It's like in our trailer, we just set the scene and say these these five or six things are all going to be in there. And if I go and then see the movie and they are all in there, I'm happy. That's all I need from it. Yeah, that's it. It's exactly. like a, you, a mur- murderous. There was the uh, there was the trailer, wasn't it? Which film was it? That Anna de, Anna de Armas was going to be in, and two people sued the studio. It was the Yesterday film, you know, the Richard Curtis um, Beatles film, right? Yeah, yeah. They put Anna yeah. de Armas was in the in the trailer for it, and then she was cut from the main movie. And the, I think two guys then sued the studio for something like five million dollars because it didn't match their expectations. Um, so that is what we're right. seeking to avoid. We're just going to to fulfill our contract of these things are in the movie. That's it. It's no joy. There's no sense. It's just yeah. ticking boxes. Yeah, and there we are. It's a it's a, a horror comedy about consumerism. That that will that will be there front and centre. Yeah, it does what it says on the stripy tin. Yeah, with with tinsel. Yeah, exactly. So we are now moving to our finale. Tried being good. Now he just wants to escape. Mm. He doesn't, you know, want to try and beat the person. He just wants to try and live for as long as possible without being yeah. killed. Yeah, but the finale, it's obviously, I mean, submarines are notoriously quite an enclosed space. It, it, it builds some tension for this finale. Um, it's leading towards quite a significant confrontation. Maybe everyone else on the submarine is murdered by this elf. Maybe he goes through, gets them all, and Glenn is on the run. Glenn is is pursued to the missile chamber. Is that a part of the submarine? Somewhere that's... A torpedo, a torpedo bay. bay. You know the language. Yeah, he's pursued to the torpedo bay <laughs> um, by this murderous elf. I mean, to start off with, you could have Creeping Dread, mm. right? You could. We've had all our big action kills and stuff like that. We can have our jump scares and things yeah. like that. That, again... It's that sort of stuff where it's coming up to early December, and even though they're on the submarine, some little bits of cheer keep coming yeah. in. That somebody puts up a bit of holly, and then he takes yeah. it down. Yeah. But then 
you know, it's it's become alien, but with holiday related things like that because he knows he can have flashes in his brain they don't have to happen but the audience will still see it he sees the holly and then he has a flashback to something maybe we've not even seen where basically the 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 elf got a sprig of holly threw it in his mouth and a whole holly bush exploded out from the inside of him tearing him yeah and also that's a nice throwback to grandma and her garden because maybe maybe the garden yeah. and the holly and that part of his life is represents what he wanted to be, what the person he could have been in life um, before he went into advertising. So yeah, there's a there's a narrative there that the audience will see and understand, even if we don't, as we're writing it, it's there. You know, people would be annoyed because it's a dream sequence, but it's still a, a, a bloody violent dream sequence with practical effects and yeah, all the rest of it. You can have a confrontation and then actually he realises that he's become friends with the people on the submarine and what's more important to him than Christmas or his life is that they're saved, so he sacrifices himself and breaks the curse. Yeah, It could be that he's driven so mad by things that happened that he actually becomes... The the the, the man. He's elf, the elf. Wow. Uh, and goes back throughout, goes back through time to kill himself in an endless cycle of violence. He's pursued to the ends of the earth, the ends of the submarine. It's everyone's. You know, he's had lifetimes of bloodshed and and horror. I think there is. We go back to his fatal flaw, which he can't tell the truth, and he works in advertising and all of these things. I think confronted by that elf one final time in the torpedo bay, technical term, he admits the truth to himself for the first time in years and says, I don't want to lie to people. I love Christmas. I don't want to be in advertising. He has a big emotional reveal of of the true version of himself um, and the life that he wanted to live. And then probably dies again. Let's be honest, because that's that seems to be the theme of the the movie. Well, no, it could be that sort of thing that even though he's had that big speech, yeah, that you know the garden shears that he's been killed with throughout the movie yeah. in a variety of different ways come out. Yeah, the elf hands them to him, okay, and then pulls away and realizes that in his hand all of the time had been a note saying to Glenn from grandma oh and then he just goes away oh so he we all thought he was just trying to stab him but he was just trying to deliver some post um yeah 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 i love it he was trying to deliver the christmas gift but only for somebody who had the right oh it's a christmas Christmas card it's not just a note it's a christmas card from grandma um that that the murderous elf just wanted to give him um but he wasn't ready to receive it Oh, I hear you. There we are. It's it's a it's a warming murder tale for the ages. Oh, as as every murder tale should be. Um, that really takes us on a journey to somewhere that no one no one really expected. I think, but there's there's messages in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, do you want to hear what the AI had for? I mean, not Wally? really. I feel like we've already written the perfect movie. Um, <laughs> why do we need to end? Like, they're they're in their magic band and Max the advertiser. No, thank you. But you, I know you're going to tell me anyway. Play it anyway, Glenn. Sam and Kelly join forces with the band to confront Max in his headquarters in the present day. They engage in a rock performance battle with Max and his henchmen using their musical skills and their weapons of choice: garden shears for Sam a microphone for Kelly, guitars for the band members. They manage to defeat Max and destroy his time machine, restoring the natural order of history. So they have a literal battle of the bands. Yeah, I like that. I respect that. (laughs) You you know the issue I'm going to have here, but carry on. The place to have this battle of the bands is confronting Max in his headquarters for some reason. Um, I I think the nicest thing about that is just the the subtle organic way they've woven the garden shears <laughs> into the story right i listen i thought ai was supposed to be smart i thought this was this was going to come so far this has been not a masterpiece but it made a lot of sense and then we get to the battle of the bands and kelly's there with a mic stand the band have got guitars and sam just goes oh sorry guys i've got some garden shears and i'm going to use these 
it would stand out. It feels it feels forced. I'm just gonna say it. I feel like yeah. I feel like it's also weapons of choice. It's been a yellow submarine style movie to start off with. It's yeah. like, yeah, we're gonna fight with our weapons. I've got a microphone. I've got a guitar. Yeah. I've got garden shears. Yeah. You better watch out, Max, because you're gonna get murdered. <laughs> I'm gonna murk you. It feels it feels a very obscure moment of the movie where they just pulls him out of his back pocket and goes, I've been waiting for this. Um it's not okay, Sam. Don't do that. Even though we sort of went ridiculous by going horror movie, yeah. the garden shears were a real heart-jerking integral part to the story by the end. Yeah. That's his grandmother's love in a gift yeah, right there. Yeah, there's, there's, there's narrative sense to it, and there's this kind of backstory and there's callbacks throughout the movie. In the AIs, it, it makes sense until he just randomly pulls out some garden shears to stab someone, um, which which feels like feels like a gamble there, AI. Uh, I said I wasn't going to judge someone else's storyline, but that bit of it, I might do. They don't say how they defeated Max, just mm. that they managed to defeat him. He stabbed him in the face with the garden shears. They really committed to this this, this jump at the end from uh, wholehearted. <laughs> he thought it was a kid's movie, and then it shears to yeah, the face. Yeah, I was at least got in there early of going, oh, this doesn't make sense, this is all over, This you don't know what to expect. There, they lulled you into a very false sense of security. Um got to the, 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 the climactic battle at the end and then there's just blood splurting everywhere as the garden shears stick in Max's eyes. So, yeah, feels feels like a yeah. risk. And here we're expecting one last kill, but it doesn't. However, we're not quite done yet. We still have the... Final image. I think the final image for Glenn is is it mirrors the start of the film where he's alone in the office, but now he's he's back in an office, but he's working with a happy team. He's got friends. He's not all alone. Um, and he is relishing the spirit of Christmas. The wizard playing out on the uh, office speakers. They're having mince pies and having a laugh. And it's a, a whole heart of Christmas time where they're not cynically trying to sell products and, uh, and merchandise. It's a lovely, wholehearted scene where Glenn has friends and has happiness. That is the redemption of Glenn. And I think that's lovely. I think what you would have to do is, at the end of that, you have somebody saying, oh, you're all being so nicey-nice. Why can't we just use Christmas to sell something? Yeah. At which point, garden shears come out from his eye, he falls down, and we reveal that that Straw Peter has forgiven Glenn, but will still punish those who think christmas should be yeah moved on to the next person who's who's ruining christmas yeah oh glenn i feel like it's obvious i don't watch too many horror movies because i keep trying to drag us to wholesome and drag us to to lovely and uh, redemptive and you're like no no make sure someone else gets stabbed um which i respect and and is is the creative direction i needed here i mean it's only fair if you're going to have a horror movie that the last shot is somebody being stabbed through the eye yeah what 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 else is a horror movie for if not that warm murdery christmas feelings yeah it's how every movie should end christmas or not so yeah that's perfect there's a full story there there's only the title and the tagline to come up with uh for our movie okay we've got the ai do you want to have a guess what they're going to call their film um no i don't rocking through time rocking through time is the name of their movie rocking through time yeah do you know what for a minute there i was nervous about having to come up with a brilliant and and, and witty title uh, and they've just gone with <laughs> rocking through time and their tagline is this they came they saw they rocked they came they saw they rocked Look, it, I, I I don't know whether this is genius or not. It's uh, I'd go and see the movie. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, it's 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 had an impact on me, but I, I don't know if it's beyond me. It's genius. Do you have an idea of what you think um, this film should be called? This film. I'll should... warn you. The perfect name for it has already been taken because there's already a movie called You Better Watch Out. Okay, that was going to be my uh, that was going to be my next guess uh, of my suggestion of the movie title. <laughs> um, 
Okay, let's think of something. Can't, should it be Christmassy? I mean, maybe just keep it like naughty or nice. Or how about elf harm? No, self harm is too. That's not going to get people <laughs> in to watch it. Yeah, no, it's not. Right, let's go with naughty or nice, Glenn. Yeah, and I think we all know it's naughty. It's not very little niceness in this uh, in this movie. But there is niceness at the end. Naughty or nice? Do you want to have a tagline? He might be selling, but nobody's left to buy. There you go. Or maybe it's like naughty or nice. You'll wish he just delivered coal. You'll wish he just delivered coal. The ultimate movie tagline. There you go. Well, I mean, because, you know, I'd rather have a lump of coal than garden shears through the back of my head. I I think that... You'd rather have a lump of coal than garden shears through the back of your head. Is that That's, the, tag, that's, that's, that's the tagline. Yeah, you would. <laughs> and if that doesn't get people in to watch it, I don't know what will. Well, there we go. Uh, rocking through time versus naughty or nice. That's that's it. So uh, thank you very much for doing that, Sam. That is in no way the way that I expected this to go. Um, it's not a Christmas. I'm, I'm going to be sat there at Christmas. I'm going to have flashbacks to this movie. Um, I'm going to have flashbacks to the AI movie. Both Neither film should ever be made. Let's be very clear about this now. If Naughty or Nice is going to be made, then it should be made on a budget of around about 500 quid hopefully uh, making its money back from that. And 450 quid of that gets spent on blood. You know, like the fake... You know what, you've piqued my interest. You said earlier it's cheap to make and they do make money, so who knows? I might be dismissive of it now, but I might spend the next six months trying to make this movie. Um, if you would like the part of the elf, I am casting. Uh, if you would like the part of Glenn, then sure, that's up for grabs as well. I would look in the right direction when people said my name. So, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Perfect. I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd be happy to be to be Glenn. <laughs> you wouldn't need to. You wouldn't need to be in character. You just need to mishear slightly. That's all that's needed. Yeah, exactly. Now that's that's how, what all the great actors do. That's why yeah. Will Smith was called Will on uh, you know Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he just knew which was the right direction to look in. Yeah. In case Hollywood comes a-calling and do uh, want to uh, get to you to try and offer you a small amount of money to make this film, or if people want to see what you're doing or know what's coming up for you, where should uh, people get in touch or see your socials? That's a good question, Glenn. Uh, I'm on at Shampbolic, which is S-H-A-M-P-B-O-L-I-C. That's me. Lovely. Well, thank you very much. This has been uh, a lot of fun. I uh, hope you don't feel like I co-opted your movie into a horror movie, but I think there was heart at the end of it. Um, if you do want to see uh, Comedy Cat, it's at Ealing uh, Above the Beer Cat every Saturday, uh, where I'll be on, and uh, comics like Sam will as well. Um, so, see you next time. <laughs>